hey everyone who is listening to us uh, in the live stream or later in the podcast, the recording. Before we jump into it with uh, Francis, I want to give a shout out uh, to the Kronos Agency because uh, actually I know Francis, uh, you work with them or maybe you still work with them, I don't know. They also have their own YouTube channel and podcast and uh, yeah, I think uh, it's really important to connect with other uh, agencies who are kind of competitors but friends as well and uh, exchange uh, knowledge with them. That's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, so Francis is a copywriter, as you will see, but this is not our first uh, episode about copywriting. And we have a shared friend, uh, Chaba Borzashi. If you want to learn more about copywriting, then uh, you can also check out that episode where uh, we talk about email copywriting with Chaba. Yeah, episode number 11. That was one of our first episodes. So that being said, today with Francis, we will dive into the secrets of uh, high quality email copywriting this show is sponsored by budai media budai media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency in the last three years budai media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients if you want to check out their website go to the budaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. So I know Francis, you are in the US now. You are about to come back to Europe because you live here in Hungary mostly. How are you today? Tell us more about your days and what are your plans? Man, yeah, thanks for so much for having me. Shout out to Josh and Kronos, of course, and shout out to Chaba. Uh, we, I think we're, we're friends with all of those guys, but yeah, I think they're all, they're all like stand up guys amazing dudes. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing really good. Uh, as you said, I'm I'm in the States right now. I'm actually from America, but I'm based in Budapest. I only live like 20 minutes away from Daniel. But yeah, I've been doing pretty well. Just uh, And I've just been kind of been here for the last month or so, seeing family for the holidays. So I'm not sure when people are listening to this, but it's January right now. And I went home to the States for the last month or so. And yeah, just looking forward to, to getting back and staying, you know, getting more focused. It's, it's a little bit hard you know, while you travel. Daniel, I know you travel a whole lot and sometimes when you're on the road i don't know so i think sometimes some cities are have a different vibe and you're more focused in in, all, in, place, in some places than others so but um yeah looking forward to getting back i think the first day when uh you you are back back to work the very first day it's it's terrible at least for me because i just feel that i just want to keep traveling and uh not doing the work but you have to so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But get back to it. Yeah. So uh, please tell us more about your journey. Like, how did you end up in uh, copywriting? How did you get started? I mean, I got started around, I think, November 2017, I think. And this was just during the time I was I was living in Europe. Um, I still do. But back then, I was working as an English teacher in Budapest. And I was really not liking it. And I went to... It was like two and a half years into teaching, one and a half years teaching in Budapest. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm over here. I'm like wiping kids' butts. You know, I'm getting like screamed at by kids. And I was like, I can't do this forever. You know, I don't want to, this isn't like my life. I really want to find something else, but I don't want to leave Europe and I don't want to stop traveling. So I didn't want like a, you know, an office job and I didn't want to go back to the States because, you know, I lived abroad for so long. So I did what I think a lot of us did. And that was just to Google search how to make money online. You know, I kind of went through kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like a bunch of different options, you know, from SEO to consulting to you know Amazon FBA and all this. And I kind of dove into like some coaching and um, some SEO and all that. But then eventually I did fall upon uh, copywriting. You know, I went to a bar in Budapest 
and uh, it's like this international meeting point, which we still have. So if you're in Budapest, like definitely hit those up. But I met a guy there, Finn Lobson, who he was 20 years old, a German guy. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to Thailand. You know, I'm here for a month. And, you know, I was curious. I was like, what do you do? He said, you know, he's a copywriter. I had no clue what that meant. I thought he was a lawyer or something like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's like, no, man, we're here in resources. You know, this is what I do. And I thought it was really cool. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to dive into this copywriting thing. And it was copywriting, you know, content writing. And then, like, that's just how it started. I didn't have a laptop or anything like that. I just had like a teacher salary. Yeah. And at that time, I was only part time because I told the, the school I wanted to leave. So I, I bought like this really horrible 200 laptop on Facebook Marketplace. It was only like an 11 inch, 11 inch screen. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make create an Upwork profile and just start. And I had no clue what I was doing. Didn't really know what big copy looked like. I didn't even know what email copy was when, you know, when someone says, said, you know, I write emails. I was like, what the hell? What do you mean you write emails, dude? Like you, <laughs> you, you write like, you know, uh, you write like, you know, I understand. And like, that's it. But yeah, that's how it started. So um, after, after that, I you know got my first client on Upwork. He was like a $5 blog post. It's really nothing. And then over the next year, I would just take on different projects from, you know, writing emails to blog posts, to website content, eventually a, an agency in a e-commerce email marketing agency, like did like take a chance with me. And I was only with them for about four months, but it was enough time for me to be like, okay, I think this is really cool. You know, writing e-commerce emails because they're short. I can apply yeah. what I learned pretty well. And, and of course, Daniel, as you know, you know, when you send an email out, you, uh, you get that kind of instant gratification, you know, of like seeing how it performs and stuff. So I just liked it. And then I started niching yeah. down and t- taking on clients in the e-commerce world. Yeah, I, I really know the feeling and I think uh, it's very, very captivating. Uh, unlike with a landing page or a new website where it's, you know, it takes more time to see the results or maybe the client doesn't even let you see the results. With emails, you send them out and it starts, it starts making money quite fast. And I think that's amazing. That's a really good feeling, right? And your uh, clients, they let you see the results or some of them, they were very secretive about this. I think that's a huge problem, by the way. I, I really hate when copywriters cannot see results because I know feedback is really important. So, Yeah, um, most of the time, well, yeah, I, I start off not seeing the results, you know, especially in the beginning. I didn't know what a good result was. Um, yeah. And then even now, uh, when I work with, you know, I partner up with an agency or uh, well, especially just with an agency, it's um like I I don't I don't get to see the results un- until I ask for it, and I don't think it's anything against the agency. You know, I don't think that um I'm dumb or like it just a lot of times that's just not part of the process. It's just you know, copywriter here's the topic and send it over. But you know, once I ask if I can see the results, you know, they typically say yes, and it's always helpful. So you know, if you're an agency owner listening to this, like definitely let your your copywriters you know see the results or at least inform them because it's so motivating. Because other than that, it just kind of feels like you're, you know, copywriters in a content mill of just like, you know, here's a list of the topics, just knock them out. But once you have the results in there, you can, if, one, it's motivating, but two, you know, if a copywriter, you know, knows what to look for, he can, he or she, you know, can, can adjust their copy so the results could be better. Yeah. So let's talk about a personal tone of voice in a e-commerce email copy, because this is one of the things you wanted to talk about. So... You know, I just let you to talk about really. Um, so h- how this can improve the conversion rates of emails and how you can, how somebody can make sure that my email 
is personal. It sounds like a personal copy, not just some template or something very formal. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, writing kind of personal style copy is is really important, especially nowadays, because, you know, millennials and the younger generation, we're becoming the big buyers. And, you know, studies have shown that our generation, people younger than us, and even, you know, older than us, boomers and Gen X, kind of having this authentic, genuine tone is is really powerful because, you know, we're, you know, nowadays, the, the buyers are smart. You know, they know what spam copy is. They know what, like, really boring, templated, kind of jargon-filled copy looks like. You know, they don't have to be in marketing to know what that is. You know, we have to give, uh, we have to give the customers credit, and we have to, you know, respect the fact that, you know, they're really smart, too. And because of things like Instagram and Twitter, they're learning about the tactics that, you know, that we have. So having um, this kind of tone of being really personable and being you know, very authentic and genuine and you know, as if you're speaking one-to-one to someone while they're reading the copy is, is, is important. And it, it always has been, you know, I, I took a, a copywriting course by, by John Carlton, kind of like a one-to-one simple writing system. And it costs like, cost a couple thousand to do. And one of the biggest lessons I learned was that, you know, he called it like barroom copy or barroom writing. And it's okay. essentially when you write copy and you need to write it as if you're speaking to someone, you know, one-to-one at a bar, you know, to pretend that you're walking into a bar and the person you're sitting next to is, you know, sitting down and thinking, oh, I have this problem. Like, you know, I, you know, my dog just has like flaky skin and it's horrible. And then the way you respond back, you know, talking about the product is, you know, as if you're just a friend and you're talking about the product one-to-one is like, Hey, you know, this is the solution to your dog's flaky skin or something. You know, that's just an example. That's just a product I'm writing about mm-hmm. now, but um, having that kind of like personal genuine copy is really important. You know, that's how you do it. But also, you know, Daniel, you being a very like high level, you know, email marketer, you know, you know, the importance of, you know, segmentation and creating the, the right automations based on behavior, but then, you know, having copy, that, that matches, you know, those segments and, you know, what they've just done, what the customer just did, you know, that's important too, because if you just kind of send out these really lame kind of boring, you know, email copy, you know, an email design out there, it's, it's going to seem like you don't care, you know, but if you're, if, you, if you're able to, to match your, your copy and you really with it with kind of automations you're sending, you know, that's just powerful. And that's just really smart marketing. So um, I think, um, you know, you have to give the, the customer, you know, some credit and know that, you know, market sophistication is different than it was, you know, a few years ago and uh, it's going to be evolving. So that's just something to think about. Yeah. As you said, people are smarter nowadays, but we are lucky because the email software tools are also smarter <laughs> at least. So we can do a better job with segmentation than a few years ago. And, you know, it's just uh, only our creativity limits, how deep and how well we can segment the email list. So. And we can create different cust- different copy for each email. So, so yeah, I think that's huge. Also, uh, you mentioned storytelling to me earlier. So how about storytelling in emails? Oh, I, I would say, or I would think it's hard because an email is, is not as long as a landing page, right? So how can we tell stories in an email? Yeah. So typically when someone thinks of storytelling, especially in email copy, they think of like this kind of, long-winded narrative where they're you're almost writing like a Stephen novel um you know we see we see that a whole lot in direct response you know whether it's in the email or you know on a on a landing page where you go in and there's characters and and you know there's a big tragic thing and it's very it's very good because and they're actually you know they're fun to read because they you know they have a lot of emotional elements that kind of are 
quite captivating. But you know, with an e-commerce email, and where you're you're really just limited to less than 500 words, um, and even you know less more than that, what you really need to show is transformation. So you know, stories show transformation, and of course, you can't have the a thousand, ten thousand word email, you know, or landing page. So you need to kind of sit down and craft how you can write an email that shows how your product took a customer, a customer from point A to point B. And you don't need, you know, two, three hundred words to do that. You know, a lot of that just has to is about showcasing why your source, you know, why your product's unique mechanism works and why the other ones, you know, the other competitors, you know, don't work and why yours is is always better. So, you know, that's kind of like the main concept with, with storytelling in e-commerce email is like, how can I take the, you know, where's the customer now and how can I take them from point A to point B? What are the elements that, that they need to go under to, to make those changes and how does my product help? And, you know, you may think, oh, that sounds like it may take 100, 200 works but you know the more you you practice this and the more you kind of simplify simplify and simplify your emails then mm -hmm. you're going to be able to see how concise you know it is to to make that transformation so yeah when i say storytelling it's not necessarily like you know having that long narrative but it's it's just it's showing transformation it's not just writing emails that are saying 20 you know, off like get this now and it's you know it's yeah. about why should they you know, use this discount code and what happens if they do, you know, painting the picture of the benefits, you know, just as well. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a big thing because, you know, after what you see, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of, a lot of stores out there who, you know, they don't really have a much of a, a lot of like a um, substance in their emails. It really is just kind of like, yeah. here's the discount code and uh, hope you buy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think um, it could work. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to test these things, and a lot of stores are different in that, you know, something super minimal can really work. And, you know, in a direct response, like health space, it's kind of longer emails with more of an area do work, but with kind of e-commerce and, you know, brand, you know, kind of being very short and concise, but having that that clear transformation is, is the main way to go. Yeah, and uh, do you... Do you always um, say the story, tell the story in one email, or sometimes you write like a sequence of emails and, uh, you know, there are episodes of the story, let's say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, that is one tactic that I've done in the past. You know, it really depends on the brand. You know, you know I think like a, a t-shirt store probably wouldn't need something that has, you know, multiple emails going on with the story. But, you know, I'll let, you know depending on the kind of customers and the kind of customer results, are being generated, then having, yeah, that kind of like soap opera sequence can be really powerful. Um, it, you know, especially with, you know, the, how kind of personable and how, how fun the brand is and how much personality is in there. Because if you're, you know, a very like bubbly personality and something with, you know, you're running a store that is really fun to read and resonates with a lot of people. And there's really like a personality on one of those emails, you can definitely do that. Because that's going to be really fun. You know, it's, you can, you, know, you can do the whole thing where you set it up and, um, you know, there's a lot of cliffhangers and a lot of the, uh, kind of just teasing the next email. And that's, you know, that can be a really fun way to, to keep customers engaged, especially if it's under like a personal brand and you're just selling, you know, merchandise or, you know, some kind of connecting e-commerce store. But yeah, I think that's, it's, yeah, that's, a, that's one tactic that can be used. I'm, uh, Andre Chaperon. He's a big marketer. I'm not sure if he's the one who created the soap opera sequence, sequence but yeah, um, or the last Russell Branson mentions it too. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a really great tactic. I know I've done it uh, writing for some of my personal brands, the like the gurus. You know, when they want to talk about their uh, 
like their background story and like how, you know, their background story led to this amazing product that they have. And it's usually like, yeah, those are like very narrative driven and, you know, you need to be very, you know, very careful with, with what you write. And, um, just, just because people can get bored, they're like, oh, I'm on like day nine of this soap opera sequence. It's like, where am I going with it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I think the original soap opera sequence is something around five emails and you already show them the call to action in the third email. So don't send out 20 or 10 and uh, there is no call to action and people just, okay, another email, another day. I also like those emails when I did copywriting Two years ago, I uh, sent an email on behalf of the owner, the founder of the company, and I really liked playing with these discounts and why we give a discount or why we give a special offer. Sometimes uh, I went too too long, or you know, I too too. Um, it was some, it was sometimes too much. So I remember once uh, I sent an email to the audience that. Uh, I'm going to a conference. I'm the founder of the company. I'm sitting on a private jet now and I'm in a really good mood and I give away 50% off. <laughs> and, uh, and it made a lot of sales. So the numbers were really good. But the founder told me, the actual client, that uh, this was a bit uh, too much. And oh, man. <laughs> this, this story that he was in a private jet. So, yeah, you can experiment a lot with this uh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I really like that, you know, kind of going through the kind of like the voice of the owner and making it really personal. It, it reminds me of this, of this story of, um, his name escapes me right now. It's, I think, Nathan, Nathan Barry. And he's the, he's the owner yeah. of ConvertKit. And uh, I think he mentioned something, how, like maybe a year or two ago, it was like some holiday sale. And mm -hmm. he, they sent out an email to their newsletter list. That was like, it, it had no fancy graphics or anything. And it, it looked just like an email that he was sending to his CMO. And then it was like, hey, Charles, like we're doing a, uh, a deal on like a subscription plan on this date. And it's ending on this date. It's going to be whatever, 25% off and use this code to, um, you know, for the discount. And, you know, they sent it to the list as if, you know, looking like it was, just sending an email to the CMO, but they sent it as a promotion. And they actually, Nathan said that they actually had like the most sales that day with that single email. And not only did they get a lot of sales, but they got a, they got a lot of replies back. So it's, you know, as you know, that, that always helps with like sender score and things like that. But, and yeah. um, it kind of, it kind of created like this kind of funny, you know, it's a funny email, but kind of like a nice connection that like, Hey, like the CEO of ConvertKit, you know, the product you're paying for, like, sent out like this really human email so yeah. i think that that kind of shows like a, a little bit of the you know point number one of kind of having like this kind of personal style copy um of course that's super personal it's kind of like personal on steroids to kind of go off yeah. your typical template and your typical copy and pretend like you, you accidentally sent an email to your list but yeah you're just reminding me of that just how powerful it can be yeah, and uh, one more thing that we wanted to discuss today is uh, how to handle objections of prospects or potential customers. And again, email has limited space, right? So it's not a landing page, not a website. And uh, how is it possible to handle these objections in a short email? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few ways to kind of to handle that, but you know, to kind of always be very upfront with it and know that you know, when you have to do your research on what those objections are. But when you send out an email, something you can have in your, as a campaign 
or in your automations is like kind of calling out the objections. You know, one, you're not hiding the fact that you know that it's an objection and that that's kind of a, not a problem, but something that your customers face, but being very upfront with it and kind of showing that we already have a solution to that. And there's nothing kind of sneaky behind it. And that, um, you know, there are like guarantees to using the product. Um, I think just being very upfront with, with the objections and always kind of mentioning those and showing that, you know, you have a solution, you know, whether it's in the, you know, kind of like the footer of your email or like a PS, you know, in your emails, I think that's always very helpful, but being very kind of upfront, whether it's single email and it's like a dedicated email of like, oh, you know, this is why, you know, this is what you can do if it, if it costs too much, or, you know, are you worried that, you know, this won't work for you because of your special situation or, you know, are you worried about shipping tides? You know, things like this um, and kind of calling it out and maybe having a, a dedicated email. Yeah, it goes, it goes a long way, you know, and it's, it's yeah. definitely different from the a typical sales or even content email that, that you may send. Cause it's um, especially in a sequence. Cause you know, once you kind of, you know, you, know, you join a welcome, you know, a welcome flow, a welcome sequence, the, uh, you know, the customer's already kind of thinking of reasons not to buy. So, you know, maybe on day two or day three or email two, email three, you, you send them a message kind of handling that first objection of like, are you worried it won't arrive quick enough? Are you worried that this won't fit? You know, here's what we do. It's a big one that I've used with, with a lot of the clients I've worked with, uh, both one, one in the agency setting. And you know, I've noticed that some of the, some of the agencies I've, I've worked with in the past, they use, they, they, they do that a lot more than before. So kind of just, it's all about just knowing what, you know, what's going on in, in the customer's head and just being upfront and forward with, with handling that. And everybody wants a sale. Most people just want to feel good about, about their purchase. And so and they're already interested. They just want to make sure that they're being taken care of. Yeah. And uh, one thing here is, especially with new customers, as you said, I think the brand has to make sure that they take care of the new customers because, you know, they just spend their money, especially if it's an expensive product, they buy a mattress, let's say, and the delivery time is three weeks or, you know, not just one day, but a longer time period, then uh, you should send a few emails to them to explain how to use the product, uh, what they can expect about delivery, if there is any problem, what's the guarantee, what are the terms, get or give access to the uh, support team. And uh, we also usually send out an FAQ email with the you know usual questions, most common questions, and people can read those. And just all of these things, it, 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 these make sure that the customer will be happy and uh, they, don't get too impatient that the product is nowhere, but they spend $300 on a mattress. So yeah, I think these are really important. Yeah. 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 I think it's just um, always remembering that there's somebody on the other side of those emails you send and they're, they're nervous about the product. They don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste their money, especially and um, giving them, Kind of nurturing them. That's why it's called a nurture sequence, right? You know, kind of nurturing yeah, them and exactly. making sure that they're that they feel yeah. good about the purchase. So, you know, I just bought a watch the other day on uh, for Christmas. I bought myself a watch because I'm lame like that for Christmas. And you know, it was really nice that every day, even a few hours, they were sending me emails of like the tracking. They were like, "Hey, this is how you turn the watch on." Yeah. And they didn't even send me a uh, like an upsell of like you know, buy another watch or something like that. You know, they were yeah. like. 
just um, taking care of me. I felt very taken care of. So I'm not sure if I can mention the brand, but yeah, shout out to that company. So you can mention, sure. Which company was it? It's Vincero. Vin Vincero. I got targeted. I think um, yeah, my phone was like paying, like was like listening to me for the last few weeks. I was talking mm -hmm. to my girlfriend about how I needed a watch and. I, th I think I got like um, I got bombarded with like a bunch of watch advertisements on Instagram, and one of them yeah. got me. One of them got me. So <laughs> I was it was a cold buyer, and I was like, oh, I got it, you know. And, but yeah, I think uh, just take care of your your customers. You know, kind of remember remember that they're human, and uh, just be upfront with handling their objections. It it, it eases um you know it, it eases them because they're not they're not looking for the the answers. You're giving it to them straight up, and that feel that makes them yeah. feel really good. I have one more question. So. What do you think about the length of the email? How lengthy, how long it should be? That's a good question. You know, I think uh, I think you you can probably also say that it's all about testing, and that it really depends on on the on the brand and you know what works. And you know, in the, the last for the last few years, kind of testing out everything, it's we're always surprised with the kind of length of the email. I think definitely not too long. You know, I don't have like a long. 300 400 word body copy and then have a, a product wheel or product you know 10 20 product blocks yeah. you need to get the point across so you know i think the more expensive the, the product is i think the more copy you'll need so you know that's always like a good rule of thumb that i've always learned and that's even with like sales pages i've learned and i'll write write yeah. e-commerce sales pages of like if the product's like you know, over a hundred dollars or something like that, or you're selling like a package, then the copy needs to be a lot longer. But if you're selling like a phone case or something like that, and it's only five dollars, ten dollars, then you, know, you don't need to be writing, you know, too much copy. Yeah. But uh, that's all about testing, you know. And I think um, kind of having like an A/B test of, you know, short copy, long copy, more, you know, more images, less images, even like the even like the 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 color size of the font can make a difference in conversions so i think i prefer shorter copy i prefer like short punchy copy and in in my experience with e-commerce brands so that's what works most because mm -hmm. um you know people are just scrolling through their emails and you want to stand out and you know get the point across pretty quick you know with good copy for short concise it kind of has a bit of a transformation to it but uh yeah i think um don't go overboard yeah i agree and yeah, if it's more expensive than longer copy for sure, especially if it's not a visual product, but some, especially if it's a product where the buyer needs to be educated. You know, once we had a client and uh, the guy sold uh, three 3D printers in Canada for $5,000 oh, and we didn't do a very long copy, but still it was longer than usual. So like 500 words, something like that, because it's not an impulse buying, right? If you buy a yeah. 3D printer. Okay. Um, thanks, uh, Francis, for this uh, very good talk today. And if anyone wants to find you where they can reach out to you, can people work with you nowadays or or you are busy with clients or how does it look like? Yeah. So the last in the last part of 2021, I actually wasn't taking any clients. It was more like, you know, I was just kind of going in cruise control. I was really enjoying who I'm working with. And now I... I um, created some some more systems that kind of frees up my time. So I am taking in more clients and you can find me at storiesandcopy.com. That's the, the name I kind of work under. And then I also write like a, a lifestyle newsletter that kind of talks a little bit about copywriting and freelancing. And so if there's any freelancers out there, you can follow me at the nomadnewsletter.com. So those two websites are, are uh, you can find more of my writing and just find me there. So yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dan.
Awesome. I will also subscribe. I didn't know about the second, so I need to check it out. So uh, yeah, thanks everyone who listened to us today. Every week we come out to the new episode and thanks Francis again. We will put these links into the description and uh, stay tuned. We are coming out, as I said, every week with a new episode. Thank you.